Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. All fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons. Cannon. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Bucks win. And week one overreactions are back on a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Welcome to the 2022 football season, ladies and gentlemen, an awesome slate of games here on the first Sunday of the year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Cowboys wrap things up for us on Sunday night football, 19 to three, your final score. And this one, first and foremost, on the pregame show, we talked about it being a potentially lower scoring game than it was not as much offensive fireworks per se as there was week one of 2021 but Leonard Fournette the run game and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense they went out there and they handled business today and I don't think a lot of people are looking at the silver lining in this game because obviously we have some things to talk about but just like I mentioned at the top of the show man these overreactions have been a little bit wild tonight and the fact of the matter is the Bucs just beat the Cowboys with a healthy Dak Prescott for four and a half quarters they held them to three points and they beat them by more than three possessions. So, I, I mean, really, the thing that I'm taking away from this is that, uh, you know, a lot of what we said on the pregame show, a lot of what you said on the season prediction show, the pregame show, the defense is ready. Obviously, a little bit of work to do there on the offensive line. But the fact of the matter is the Bucks wanted to establish the run and they did just that. It was a slow paced game, but it was efficient and uh, a win is a win. Absolutely. And uh, if you're just joining us from Mr. Bucks Nation's uh, live stream, we appreciate the support. Um, I'm Evan. Of course, we didn't really do any introductions. I'm Evan. No, we got to get, we gotta get right back down to business. People know who we are. I'm your host, as always, right? Matthew, join alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. He just he likes the long, drawn out introduction. That's that's well, really what that boils down to. Yeah, you like the hard sell. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> a win is a win. And uh, yeah, we're here to discuss it. There's going to be good. There's going to be bad. There's going to be everything in between. Uh, the defense was really impressive. And, um, you know, the offense, obviously, I, I think the reason I said I thought the defense was going to be ahead of the offense in this stage uh, is because the defense is going to be working in a lot of um, a lot of not, not the defense, sorry, the offense going to be working on a lot of new pieces, right? Uh, there's some shuffling on the offensive line. There's some wide receivers and stuff. The defense is relatively the same. Uh, so I thought the defense was going to do well as we have a five-hour super chat from Brandon Michael. Thank you a let's lot, go. Brandon. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go. Secondary looks way better so far this year. Hopefully we keep this up. 
Brady will only play better, and Julio, NFL better be on alert. We'll talk about that as we have another two-hour Super Chat from Mr. Bucks Nation, James. Uh, me and the crew are here. Go Bucks, he says, in all capitals, so you know he means it. Uh, <laughs> thank you thank you a lot, James. Appreciate it. And, um, yeah, there was a, a, lot of, a lot of good, and like I said, we'll, we'll be able to talk about it. We don't have any updates right this second on Chris Godwin, Donovan Smith, so just to get that out of the way, uh, Todd Bowles' press conference is going to be happening here shortly. We'll find out, you know, maybe something we don't know. Uh, we don't know anything right this second, though. First half impressions as we start to really dive into this game. We'll talk about the offense and the defense here in a minute, but it was a much closer game than a lot of people were comfortable with in the first half, and it's totally understandable. A couple of injuries popped up, and a couple of reasons for people to feel concerned. Obviously, Chris Godwin ruled out for the rest of the game with a hamstring injury. He re-aggravated that right knee. Not 100% sure if it correlates to the ACL, MCL, but it's it's not a great sign. And a lot of people are also seem up in arms saying that, oh, he was rushed back. It was his call, I think. Um, now, I will say we don't know the severity of the hamstring, right? It could have just been a little tweak and the Bucks said, no, like, you're out. You know, we don't know. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I think Donovan Smith's injury is a little bit more worrisome to me because that guy's a warrior. Uh, he rarely misses time. So him not being able to to continue sort of worries me. Uh, as we said earlier, if you guys are just joining in for Mr. Bucks Nation uh, live stream, we really appreciate all the support. Hope you guys stick around, subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. Really hope so. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the game here for the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Now, talking about the loss of Donovan Smith, I feel like we just kind of need to get all the bad news out of the way early. You know what I mean? Let's, yeah, let's yeah, talk about it. Yeah. First half impression. Not much you bad, lose, though. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, could be better. But, yeah. you know, for the most part, <laughs> a lot of people looked at the offensive line and a lot of people weren't very happy after the first half of play for the offensive line. Losing Donovan Smith is going to do a big part of that. But they felt it on the left side of that offensive line. Actually, a handy stat here from Jenna Lane of ESPN. According to ESPN's pass block win rate powered by NFL Next Gen Stats, not paid, uh, they had a 46% pass block win rate on the offensive line, which would have ranked last in the NFL last year. It's all been on the left side. Donovan Smith, 57%. Josh Wells, 60%. Micah Parsons, that first half, he was a force to be reckoned with. And uh, I think long term, a lot of people started to get worried about how the rest of the game was going to play out if he continued to just tee off on Tom Brady like he was. Yeah, the Bucks found some answers, though, in, in the second half, and um, they didn't have to do much in the second half because they had that one. It felt like that, too. It felt like um, they they needed that touchdown, and then once they got it, it was going to be, all right, like, you know, like the game's fully in control. Uh, they, they came up with some answers. Parsons was on one tonight because he even gave gave Worfs the business on, on a few times. So, um, look, Josh Wells is Josh Wells. Uh, but at the same time, I think we have to acknowledge just how good Micah Parsons is. Um, Micah Parsons had 13 sacks last year and was the defensive rookie of the year for a reason. Uh, so that guy is a damn good football player. So, uh you know, Josh Wells, yeah, okay. I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. I don't think he's good, but I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. But, you know, Donovan Smith was getting beat by him too. Tristan Wirfs got beat by Parsons. It's going to happen. Uh, you just hope that Donovan Smith's injury isn't long-term because, again, you know, you got three more games against the Saints, 
Packers and, and Chiefs. So um, you're going to need him, you know, to hopefully in those games, you're going to need him. And if, if it's Wells, you're going to need Wells to play well. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it is a little bit worrisome that he wasn't able to go out there. Because like I said, he doesn't really miss much time, but they found some answers. And you said the left side. It was just the left tackle. How about, you know, shout out to Luke Gedeke, uh tonight. Played really well, I thought. Um, you know, had had a few hiccups early on, I, I think. Got away with a hold or two. But, I mean, other than that, really, overall positive. Uh, I was really impressed by Robert Hansey as well. And uh, I, I really thought Gedeke and Hansey were a big reason why the run game was so powerful tonight. And, and it really led the way offensively let's talk about what else the Bucks were able to do well and you had just mentioned one of them run the ball one of the things that you know became clear throughout the first half of this contest is that the Buccaneers wanted to establish the run and we had hinted on that throughout the course of the offseason like Todd Bowles would real quick to to shift it over to the defense really quick because we have a super chat from Darnell Baylor thank you a lot Darnell $2 super chat the secondary looks together defense is back we agree we'll get to the defense here in a little bit so Leonard Fournette running the ball tonight, he got 16 carries in the first half. Or actually, no, not 16 carries just for him in the first half, but the offensive breakdown in the first half for Tampa Bay. Tom Brady threw the ball 16 times, and they ran the ball 16 times, which also included two designed runs for Julio Jones, which got 17 yards. We'll talk about his game as well here shortly. But Leonard Fournette, man, you got to give him his flowers for this one. 21 carries, 127 yards. Did not find the end zone, but listen, when you can dictate the pace of a game by running the clock and averaging about six yards per carry, I mean, that's exactly what you like to see from the running back you just gave a three-year contract to. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, you ran really well tonight. And, like I said, the blocking was good. I thought Fournette was good. And uh, how about shout-out to Fournette on the long ball to Julio Jones. How about just obliterating Micah Parsons? They said they needed help over there with Parsons. (laughs) Uh, Leonard Fournette gave it because, man, oh, man, he – he I, and I noticed it right away. I was like, I think Fournette just obliterated him, yeah. and, and he did on the replay. So, um, yeah, that was a, a really good play in pass protection there, and that's important in this Bucks offense, as we know. You know, if you can't pass protect, you're not going to play much in this offense. So, um, at times, it was a little too predictable for my liking. Uh, I think some of those field goals were not turned into touchdowns because of it at times. Uh, there were spots in the game where I felt like, man, you know, my biggest complaint was they were running the ball, but they also, they weren't using play action off of it as much as I thought they should. Um, I think, and obviously there's a long season. We'll obviously it'll, um, it'll play out. It'll play out, but Coquif is in there. When Coquif is in the game, it's a running play. (laughs) When, when, when when he is in the game, it's a running play. So that was a clear, a dead giveaway. Teams are going to pick up on that. So you can't keep doing the same stuff over and over. Um, So, but uh, I mean, overall, you know, the run game was very strong, obviously, despite, you know, those numbers. So um, I did think that at times it was predictable, but Hey, you know, we heard all offseason. They want to run the ball more. They ran it a bit too much from my liking, especially when you have an offense with Tom Brady, Mike, Gavin, Tolio Jones, Chris Goward, Russell Gage, all them guys. But at the same time, you know, maybe this that was the game plan this week, and next week it could be a completely different thing. So I don't think, you know, running the ball constantly is going to work every week either. So you're going to have to be able to uh, adjust on the fly there. But overall for tonight, it was, it was very, very strong. 
Yeah, and as far as balance on offense, this is one of the few rare times that Tampa Bay actually ran the ball more than they dropped back to pass. Tom Brady on the night, uh, 18 for 27, 212 yards, one touchdown and one pick. We'll talk about his performance here in a minute. But to wrap it up on the run game, between everybody who got a hand on the football tonight, Leonard Fournette, 21 carries, Julio Jones, the two carries that I mentioned, we got to see some Rashad White towards the end of the game. Not a whole lot to take away as it was kind of just killing time, but Six carries for 14 yards for that young man. Jalen Darden had one design carry. Tom Brady took a knee twice, so that was negative two yards. And then Brashad Perryman made an attempt. It was negative seven yards on the ground for him. But I think that's a little over 30 carries, 30 rushing attempts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one, which, uh, you know, for the people who wanted the Bucs to run the ball, they proved they could do it. Let's talk about Tom Brady's night, though, and some of the receivers that played a factor. As I had mentioned, his stat line, Talk about the leading receiver on the evening as big number 13, Mike Evans, believe it or not. Five receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown for Mike Evans. One of the most impressive (laughs) one-handed catches I have seen in his career. And I think, honestly, maybe I'm a little biased. I was watching a lot of football today, but I think that was catch of the day so far. Uh, Yeah, it might have been. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of much else uh, that really stood out. But... Uh, yeah, obviously second, uh, second greatest Mike Evans catch maybe uh, as far as one handers go because nothing will beat that Atlanta oh, one. But yeah, uh, nothing's gonna beat that Atlanta one. But uh, yeah, it was a really good catch. And I mean, it's not like I mean he grabbed that thing like it is like you know. Uh, sometimes you see a one handed catch and it's like you kind of catch it like here and you're kind of holding on to it. No, it was a he grabbed it and uh yeah it was a good play like i said that offense needed that and uh yeah it was a it was a big time play so good to see him get in the end zone and uh the the first touchdown mike evans continues to be a red zone machine for this team nobody in the nfl has more touchdowns on fade passes in the last couple of years than mike evans he leads the nfl by a good amount i think in his career he has 20 touchdowns just on fade passes alone the guy is an animal, and uh, yet again, he picked up right where he left off that playoff game against the Rams and established himself as a dominant number one wide receiver for this team when he needs to be. But let's talk about the man that a lot of people had their eyes on tonight. Number six, Julio Jones, making his regular season debut with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A couple of huge plays from Julio, three catches, 69 yards. Could have been nice. three catches and 90 yards, to be honest with you, because he did have that one drop there in the red zone. But aside from that, I mean, Julio Jones is back. I don't want to say it too soon. I know this is the week one overreaction show, but Julio Jones is back, pal. Um, he might be. <laughs> that, that, that catch, uh, one, uh, everybody thinks that uh, 45-year-old Tom Brady's going to lose arm strength. That, just throw, show him that throw uh, because that throw was was a rope. And evidently, the Bucks thought so too because they had him attempted a cross-field pass to Julio Jones. I don't know what they were, how they thought that was going to be completed, but um, that Julio catch was unreal. Uh, that was like prime Julio Jones. Now he still he lacks, I think, the explosiveness in terms of like speed. Like, I, and I don't think that's coming back. But if he can give you that three catches a game and and make that sort of impact. That's fantastic, you know, especially with guys like Godwin and Gage, you know, working themselves back into it. Um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how they work it. But if you get that Julio every week, that's that's tough for a defense to stop. Like I said, he, you know, it's kind of like you could see parts of it, right? There's 
there is signs of old Julio there. He's not quite, I'm not, he's not 2017 Julio, but it's there still. He still has it. And that's all that matters for a third slash fourth wide receiver. And as far as the tone on offense, you know, there were some mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. There were a couple of boneheaded penalties that they really couldn't afford. And uh, Tom Brady did have to light a fire up under his offensive line's ass after getting sacked by the umpteenth time. But truthfully, it, it, it sounds like a cop-out, but it's week one football. You know what I mean? It's also important to remember that this is a process. It is a 17-game season, and the Bucks are the type of team they've proven over the last two years that it takes them a couple of games to really find themselves on the offensive side of the ball. Because once they do, you better hang on. You know what I mean? Unless you're one of those teams that can contain those guys over the top and take away a Mike Evans and really get after the quarterback, the Bucs are going to move the ball pretty efficiently on you. And while they didn't find the end zone as much as people would have liked, they moved the ball fairly well. I, I thought between the run game and even though Brady was... uh what was he again? He threw 18 for 27. I mean, not the greatest percentage, but he's over 50%. And really for only throwing the ball 27 times, aside from the interception, that's kind of the textbook Tom Brady game you want from him and the workload you want to give him at 45 years old. You know, I know we've had this conversation before, but it's important to mention that the more ways you can find to move the ball on offense, the better in the long run. Bucks prove they could win by running the ball today against Dallas. Can they do it next week? I don't know. Probably going to have to change a few things, but they proved today that if they have to win the game running the ball, they can do it. Yeah, and uh, the reports are coming out. Yeah, Dak Prescott does need surgery on his hand. Oh, he'll miss, dude. He'll miss several weeks. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, it's just to me that the strength of this team is still in the long term. The strength of this team is still with the passing game. And I agree. It, it looked good early on. One of the first plays was Godwin screen yeah. 25 yards. And then you go down and you hit Evans for a nice gain. But then you stall out because to me, you ran the ball three straight times. It almost seemed like you gave up on that drive. Um, but, you're, you know, you are right. You found another way to win. It wasn't just the same old, same old formula. And. I think Pewter Report has brought this up a lot. Maybe that's what the Bucks need to beat the Saints or beat the Rams. Maybe they need to be able to, you know, consistently be able to run the ball and be productive with it, uh, not pass the ball, you know, a, a bunch of times because we talked about it. Brady throwing the ball. He doesn't want to throw the ball 700 times like he did last year or whatever that number was. So that number is going to go down. There will be times when you need Tom Brady to throw the ball 40, 45 times. There will be games where the Bucs are going to have to because the defense is not going to allow three points all year in every game. So there's going to be games where the Bucs are going to have to open up the playbook a little bit. And I, I hope they do. I hope they're not just, you know, content on but run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Uh, Todd Bowles was talking, uh, it was, I think it was towards the end of the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth quarter. And he was like, Hey, I just got to run the ball. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, a little too but, on the nose with it there. Yeah. I was like, all right, like, sure. But let's not just because he did it one week, you know, and they're there. And like you said, will it work next week? Who knows? We'll even try it next week. Who knows? But for this game, for this, you know, this was the formula that worked and it worked out really well. Let's be honest. You and I have been watching this team for a while. Uh huh. You know they're going to try it. Uh, you, you know, I, I mean, listen, this is just a gut feeling, but I, I feel like they are going to try and establish the run early next week. 
will it work? I, I mean, just like I said, who knows? But I think that's also going to depend on whether or not how soon they decide to abandon it if it gets to that point. But hey, this week, a win is a win. Let's talk about Chris Godwin before we move on to the defense here. It was exciting to see Chris Godwin back. And it, it, it felt incredibly poetic that the first snap of the season on the offensive side of the ball for Tampa Bay goes to Chris Godwin on a screen pass for 24, 25 yards. 25, yep. Yeah. And it was already after a penalty backs him up makes it first and 15 and they don't even have to worry about it. Cause here I am sitting here sweating. What a terrible way to start the season with a five yard holding or a, I think it was false start. False start. I think. Yeah. A yeah. couple of boneheaded penalties. It is what it is, but they dig themselves out of a hole. He gets a couple more targets and then uh, he leaves the game. Obviously I think a lot of people have been asking in chat. You mentioned it earlier. Do not have an official update just yet. Hopefully by tomorrow morning, we'll have something. Yeah, uh, Todd Bowles said um, that hopefully he can get back and continue the things that he started. So uh, from that quote, it doesn't sound too, too serious. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's overly concerned, which is, a, obviously, a, a positive thing. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to talk about real quick uh, before we move on to the defense. Uh, we talked about Chris Godwin, talked about Donovan Smith. Uh, Leonard Fournette, don't believe that – you know, I don't think it's serious. I think at that point they were just like, uh, he's a little gimpy. You're up, uh, you're, up you're up 16 points. Just take, you know, take him out. Right. Um, ran the ball uh, 21 times in the game. Yeah. And I mean, like once you're over 120 yards when it's garbage time, when there's five, six minutes left and you're already down Chris Godwin, I know you want to pad those stats for any fantasy owners of Lenny this week, but yeah. like, what's the point? Well, and you're, you're also given uh, a rookie, you know, in Rashad White, valuable reps there as well. So um wanted to talk about the Brady pick really fast uh, just to get that out of the way. Just didn't see him. I think they kind of fooled him on that. Uh, he was I pointed Those out damn the, single digit jerseys, man. I, I, I pointed out the matchup um, that he was looking for. I I pointed out. I said, you, you have one on one with Evans right there. And he did. And that's the matchup that he chose. But I just don't think he had any clue that Donovan Wilson was there. So uh um, you know, an uncharacteristic, you know, pick by him, not too egregious. It just, you got fooled. Sometimes that's going to happen. It's uncharacteristic, but it is going to happen. So luckily though, they were able to not let it bleed into anything else. So, uh, they, they, unfortunately with that, they didn't win the turnover battle. The turnover battle was even, but, uh, you know, still, Whatever, right? Like, whatever. It's going to happen. You're going to get fooled, and it was a pretty good play, pretty good disguise by the Cowboys defense. Yeah, let's check in on the live chat really quickly before we talk about the other side of the football. Our moderator, Willie Beeman, holding it down, says, I hate the fact that Godwin played tonight. We did not need him tonight. And uh, let's comment on this really quickly because we addressed it on the pregame. We addressed it on the show with Sean King. To the crowd of people who were feeling like he was rushed back and, and want to place blame on maybe this coaching staff or the Bucks trainers. We also kind of alluded to it being Godwin's choice at the end of the day, but I kind of agree with the sentiment. Like what difference was one or two more weeks going to do at this point, if he's already feeling this good and it's, and it's that long term of an injury. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and the good news is it doesn't seem to be like a knee or anything. That's, that's the best news. Um, Ultimately, though, yeah, it is, it's a team's decision, but it's also Godwin's decision. It, if Godwin feels like he's ready to go, he's worked his ass off to try and get back to this point. How are you going to tell him no? 
you know and and if they truly felt like th- uh, it was not a good idea they would have told him like yeah like this is not a good idea like we know how hard you've worked but no but they felt confident he felt confident and he looked good you know he he really did um and we'll see what happens like i said it doesn't sound like something tabo's overly concerned with they're gonna need him you know coming up here because they got a lot of um really big time opponents coming up obviously as we talked about a lot but i think for this game in particular he was going to be on a snap count and yet again we don't know the severity of the hamstring we we don't know the severity of the hamstring it could have been just a minor tweak and something that he could have came back and then they said you know what no we're not we're not taking that chance like you're not going back you're you know he was always going to be on a snap count um so and i mean julio jones even seemed to be on a snap count every bucks wide receiver kind of was seen to yeah, be on was, a snap count it seemed like when julio was getting his most targets tonight there was one drive in particular where they where they had the miss in the red zone mike evans wasn't out there for what seemed like a, a drive or drive. two yeah and a lot of yeah. people wanted to say, oh, it was a hamstring injury and like maybe he had aggravated something. But we haven't gotten an update that Mike is going to be nursing anything headed into practice this week. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, somebody in the chat says the red zone offense is concerning. I think that's part of the philosophy about running the ball. Um and some of that I didn't like about the game, about the offensive game plan. But I think that'll be better as you go on. They have a ton of talent, and I'm not really worried about that. They'll, they'll, they'll figure that out. I mean, that's also, though, it is worth mentioning. That's where you miss a guy like Rob Gronkowski, right? Because I, I don't think there was anybody else in the offense that Tom Brady looked to more than these last two seasons than big number 87. I mean, it's been his safety blanket for so long, even in New England. It kind of makes sense that there's still a little bit of work to be done there in the red zone offense. Not great for week one, but... Hey, Ryan Suckup was on it tonight. He did have the one miss, but he carried them in this game. Yeah, if, if not for him. Um, yeah, if not for him, he would have would have been in some trouble. So let's move on, though, to I think the brighter spot of this. And really, you could say the reason they won. Yeah, uh, no. I, I think you, you could say the reason they won the game. It wasn't a dominating performance in terms of, oh, man. You know, six sacks, it, it, and right? Four interceptions and oh, three fumbles. No, it wasn't that. But you know what it was? It was solid defensive football, and it was doing what you needed to do, and the players you wanted to see it from. Yeah, I, I think the best way to describe it was just they neutralized Dallas. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it seemed like every now and again there would be a couple of long second and third downs given up that would really piss me off. That happens you know? every year. It's gonna. <laughs> yeah, happen. I, I know. Just... Bucks are pretty on brand with giving up a couple of second and sixteens every week, but for the most part, plays were made when they needed to be made. We talk about the Antoine Winfield Jr. interception that was clutch as hell. But another guy that we talked about heading into this game, and we had some bold predictions for him this season. He's off to one hey. hell of a start. He's looking, he's making my prediction of double digit sacks look very, very good. Shout out the, to Devin White. The leading tackler for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one, Devin White, six tackles, two assists, two sacks against Dak Prescott. I think, I don't know if one of them was against Rush, but regardless. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, regardless. We talked about this guy becoming a presence in the pass rush a little bit more, and uh, some of the big guys up front were making it easy for him tonight. It was a good night for Devin White. And, uh, of course, Antoine Winfield, too. He had the interception and five tackles for him. Secondary played well. I I mean, I don't want to overreact here, but I think it is safe to say this is one of the more complete defensive performances we have seen in recent history from this Bucs defensive unit. 
Yeah, I think so. And and some of it is Dallas's miscues. Uh, I think you have to point out the pieces that Dallas was missing. Connor McGovern goes out, their starting guard. He goes out. He's actually going to miss four to six weeks. Jason Peters didn't play. Jason Peters didn't play. Tyler Smith, the rookie, can't, you know, started at left tackle, really struggled. They didn't have Michael Gallup. They didn't have James Washington. Those are two pieces that could help them. So you have to acknowledge the pieces that Dallas was missing. That being said, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb, Zach Martin played in this game. Like, they have talent on offense. Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, like, there's talent there. And the Bucs, like you say, I think you brought the great point neutralized it it wasn't the game never really felt in doubt there are a few nitpick things that you could say um but besides the first drive it really didn't feel and you know what the the bucks had one interception they probably should have had three or four uh devin white dropped the one that probably would have been a pick six which sucks because the next play i think was the uh was the brady pick that was the next drive (laughs) but uh it probably would have been a pick six um you know, a lot of DBs got some hands on balls, and they're going to have to to catch them eventually. And will the defense have to be better? Yeah, they'll have to be better because you're going to be playing some top-tier offenses coming up. The Kansas City Chiefs just made quick work of the Arizona Cardinals, and they're coming to your house in three weeks. So it didn't look like they missed a beat without Tyree Kill. So that's going to be a challenge. You're going to have to be better because you're going to be better facing better offenses than this Cowboys offense. Nonetheless, it still is pretty impressive what they were able to do. Uh, Vita Vea with a sack, Anthony Nelson with a sack, and Devin White with two. So four sacks on the day, an interception. It's what you wanted to see from this defense and really just a uh, you know, neutralizing but also a suffocating performance. You never gave Dallas life. They never gave him that big play, uh, a fourth down, right, the fourth and six. Never gave him a fourth down conversion that's like, oh, man, like when it mattered, right? Um, yeah, a couple of garbage time games. I, I mean, the same could be said about the sacks as well, but really they did their part in handling the offense for for Dallas tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, the, it was good for tonight, and it was excellent for tonight. And I, I keep building on it, right? Keep building on it. Uh, I thought the pressure at first was a little slow. It seemed like they started to ramp up a little bit more, though. Shaq Barrett really started to to get the best of Tyler Smith there, and they had they had big time trouble uh, getting him. Uh, almost JTS almost had an interception because of Shaq Barrett's pressure. Uh, so it it was nice to see and. It wasn't a dominating performance in terms of the splash plays from the defense, but it was a good, solid you know, game that won them the football game because if this defense doesn't play up to par, who knows what, what does happen with um, you know the offense. Does that change their game plan? Then everything throws off kilter. So the defense certainly played really well and a great start to 2022. Anthony Nelson, you mentioned the late sack in the game from him. It's been nice to see him develop, to be honest with you. He he notches career sack number seven, so hasn't been outstanding. But I, I think it is safe to say we have seen some improvement. And with a guy like Anthony Nelson, who was drafted to be rotational depth, that's really, really important, especially as the year starts to go on, too. Yeah, it helps when you're unblocked. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he, he wasn't even touched. Um I could, I might have been able to get that sack, uh, but yeah, Anthony Nelson, uh, really good job. He's he's developed kind of every year, 
And, uh, you know, you got you saw a healthy bit, I think, of all four edge rushers, Shaq Barrett, Dertrand Schwenka, Anthony Nelson, Carl Nassib. I think you saw a healthy bit of all of them. So um, I, w- I was impressed by what I saw overall with the pass rush. Uh, I think it needs to be better because, like I said, you're going to be playing teams with some weapons, uh, with some serious weapons, you know, just next week. Michael Thomas came back uh, for the Saints. Michael Thomas looked pretty good. Two Jarvis, touchdowns. Landry, Jarvis Landry looked pretty good. They have Chris Olave. He looked pretty good. Those are weapons. So you're going to have to be better, and the pass rush is going to have to really, you know, ramp it up. Um, but the Saints offensive line also didn't look so great. So we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen from the defense. I thought the defense, as I said on the, the game preview show, on the season preview show, I thought these first few weeks, I thought we were going to see some lower scoring games because I thought the defense was going to be ahead of the offense. And right now, that looks to be the case. Side note here, it is impressive how bad the Atlanta Falcons are at losing oh my God. football games. <laughs> I mean, it was a 16-point lead over New Orleans with – 11 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, they have enough of a lead to where late game situation, less than two minutes to play a third and one. All they got to do is convert. Game is over. What happens? Marcus Mariota almost lost the ball. (laughs) Muffs the snap. I, I, a lot of back and forth games today within the division. The Carolina Panthers drop one. To uh, yeah, the Cleveland Browns, a lot, a lot of ones that decided on kickers, on kickers' legs. Yeah, a lot uh, of game-winning field goals. The Giants, they stole a win from Tennessee with a missed mm-hmm. field goal at the end of that one. Pretty incredible finish. Brian Dable going for two, showing off the uh, cojones there, and they get the dub. But uh, talking about the division, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints square off next week. That game, mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt, is going to decide the momentum of the NFC South throughout the first quarter of the season, because right now both of those teams, actually, I think the saints might have the edge because it's a division win. Yeah, the, the saints, technically the saints would be first because the saints have a division win. Yeah. Yeah. Bucks win next week. They are in uh, first place in the NFC South. Obviously if the saints win, the Buccaneers kind of have to dig themselves out of a hole to really catch up and win that. And then and, and the saints would be two and zero in the division. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's important. And, and we'll, we'll talk about new Orleans when we get to new Orleans. We've all know the story with new Orleans. We'll talk about it, but I, I mean, it was 26, 24. And I just knew Jameis came out and I was like, yeah, they're getting a field goal range. I was yeah. like, this will be easy. I well, was Will, like, Lutz, this- will Lutz had already missed one earlier in the game too. And I knew that if he got a chance there, there's no way. There's just no way he was going to miss another one. And sure enough, he did not. But hey, let's wrap things up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week one contest against the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about the secondary. A lot of people in the live chat have been praising the secondary, saying it was one of their most complete games they have seen from this unit. I have to agree. It seems like uh, moving Antoine Winfield Jr. to the nickel is paying off a little bit as they get some yeah. production, but I barely also, saw Sean Murphy bunting out there. I yeah, that's that's also there. something I saw on special teams. <laughs> Dak Prescott, I, I cannot underestimate this enough. We talked about Dallas kind of being a big play offense, and that's what they focus on. Yeah, there were injuries on offense, but Dak is still a guy who can find his receivers. He didn't do that great of a job tonight. Less than 50% throwing the ball, 14 for 29, only 134 yards and a pick. I mean, that's exactly the stat line you want to see from an opposing quarterback, right? And usually when you see something like that, you assume the Bucs win the game pretty handily, which obviously they were able to do tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Thoughts on the secondary? 
Yeah, I, I thought Jamel Dean played a really good game. Uh, I thought Jamel Dean honestly might have been their best corner tonight. He made consistent plays on the ball. Um, was matched up a good bit with CD Lamb and, and played well. So I thought Jamel Dean was was really one of their better corners, possibly their best corner tonight. And they didn't. I couldn't even tell. Like you know, Anton Winfield did such a good job. They didn't need to use any depth because, of course, Zion McCollum was out for this game. So they were really thin on depth, right? They were, they were really thin on depth there, and it's amazing that Sean Murphy Bunting did not uh, did not play a whole lot on defense. I mean, I haven't seen the snap counts. We'll see the snap counts probably tomorrow. Uh, that's when they'll be out. But it is incredible that Sean Murphy Bunting uh, has sort of fallen off, and it seems like Anton Winfield for now and it may change based on offense that they're playing you know that that may change uh but for now it's uh definitely interesting to see sean murphy bunting sort of fall from grace but uh i thought the safeties were, were good i thought mike edwards had had that nice play i don't know if it was third or fourth down it was fourth down fourth and 15 a uh, nice breakup to i mean really end it right that was that's when you knew the game was over so uh, I thought the secondary overall, yeah, played really well. Thought the linebackers played well as uh, also. Uh, Levante David with a short, you know, just a short tackler. And the biggest thing that I took away though was Devin White's coverage ability. I thought he was really good in coverage. And obviously, haven't watched any of any of the film. This is you know sort of raw reaction just from watching on on the television. But uh, I thought Devin White's, um, you know, I I, th- I thought Devin White's coverage ability was was good and it made a difference tonight so uh checking in on the chat uh emily compass says wasn't it surprising that rudolph didn't play kyle rudolph was a healthy scratch tonight um assumingly a healthy scratch tonight Uh, hindsight's always 2020 and now that we can look back after the game and kind of talk about what ended up happening i almost feel like kyle rudolph being inactive tonight may or may not have been for the better the way that they were having kate otten go out there and help chip Josh Wells every now and again, especially on some of those deep shots later on in the game. Yeah. But also like camera break didn't look particularly good either. So like, why not give Cameron Bright and then in inactive, you know, and see if Kyle Rudolph can. I'm just saying, you know, Cameron Bright. I think John Ledger pointed out on Twitter, Bright needs to come down with that one catch on that third down where Brady was pressured. Um, he needs to come down with that catch. Um, somebody else in the chat says Brady and that offensive line have me concerned. Uh, you know, I, I think. I don't know what your concerns are about Brady. I wouldn't have any concerns about Brady. He looked like normal Brady tonight. He just, he only threw the ball 27 times. Normally you're used to him throwing the ball 35, 40 times. Go ahead. I I know Brady's also been a vocal guy as far as his offensive line goes, but I think he may have been a little more unhinged than people would have liked to see in the, uh... in the first (laughs) half of the game. I mean, he was pretty vocally upset more than a few times tonight, not to say that the line didn't deserve it at the time. But I also think maybe for some people that's cause for concern. This is a guy who is usually as calm and composed as he needs to be until he's just not. Yes, but when he needs to do it, he needs to do it. You know, that offensive line changed after he yelled at them in Chicago on Thursday night. Like, that offensive line changed. Like, when he needs to do it, he needs to do it. So he did it. And, like, I I don't know. I just – one – the offensive line – Sure. It, it feels like people saying, oh, I'm concerned about the offensive line. It feels like they're just reading into the media stories again. I, concerned about maybe one position. Yeah. Left tackle if Donovan Smith can't go. Robert Hansey and Luke Gedeke looked fine. 
Yeah, Robert Hainsey had one of the higher win percentages on the night for the offensive line. I don't know the exact number at the end of the game, but I know for the first half he was over 80%. And for mm-hmm. a second-year guy who's making his first NFL start, that's really not too bad. No, like it's it's not that bad. And Luke Gedeke looked fine. Like Shaq Mason, especially in the run game, looked really good in the second half. Tristan Wirfs was Tristan Wirfs. You know, it's it's fine. Like, I, I think the offensive line is fine. Now, do you need Donovan Smith back? Yes. You can't afford to lose him long term. You can't afford that. You can't afford five, six, seven games with Josh Wells as your left tackle. But for now, like that offensive line is fine. Like that, you know, they they had to work out the kinks. I wrote an article about that on Bucks Nation that people were worrying too much about the offensive line. They had to work out the kinks in the first half. That second half, they were opening up run lanes. Brady had time. I I, I don't know what people were were seeing. It's almost like people were watching it with with, with their eyes, thinking, "I know I'm going to hate this offensive line. Like I know, no matter what, I'm going to say it, the offensive line is bad." Um, look, I think we've kind of been spoiled the past two years just how good the Bucks' offensive line has been. Will it be a top five unit? Ah, uh, probably not. Right? It's going to take a step back. But can it be a top ten unit? Absolutely, absolutely, it can be a top ten unit. And um, you know, I, I do think that with time, the offensive line will also get better. I think with time, this offense will gel more, and um, we'll have to wait and see. So real quick, though, before we do any final things that we have, we got to move on to the third um, component of a football game. That's special teams. I want to give a, bu- a shout-out to the Bucks special teams unit, Kevante Turpin. I said that I was scared to death of him in the game preview show, and he was a non-factor, basically. They really held their own against him. Uh, Jake Kamara did his job on the punts. Man. Kickoffs as well. Jake uh, Kamara, Jake Kamara, Jake Kamara had, by the way. Jake Kamara's leg is going to be iced up because he had to kick the ball three I mean, what a, what a nightmare first NFL career punt. Dallas and their goddamn scoreboard. That would be so mad because, like, I know that happens at least once a year, and the commentators were alluding to it as well. They have a specific rule for Dallas in particular to where, all right, we're just going to go ahead and reset, do it again, try not to hit it this time. Like, I hate that so much. But, hey, yeah, hats off to Jake Camarda and the rest of the coverage team as well. Ryan Suckup, as we know, holding it down the way that he did. You'd like to get that miss back, but it is what it is. When you ask him to kick five field goals, you got to be happy with four out of five in that percentage, especially when it's a winning effort. But um, yeah, that coverage team tonight, I I felt like KJ Britt pretty much set the tone on the opening kickoff. Great game. Yeah. Yeah. Right away. Kate Otten also had a a few nice tackles on the coverage. So like, like I said, what a way to make a guy, you know, to make a guy that I was worried about. I, I was to me, you have to have talent as a returner if you're doing it twice in one game. He, he had a kickoff return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown. I don't care if it's preseason or not. You have a talent for that. Um, the only complaint that I can have about the special teams is that, you know, the, the punt coverage on receiving it, it still needs some work. Jalen Darden actually looked somewhat competent tonight when, when receiving the punts. Uh, Rashad White, I don't believe, got it. Well, he definitely didn't get a chance. Dallas really kicked off. Um, but Rashad White uh, didn't get a chance chance to receive a kickoff but Jalen Darden on punts didn't look great but he looked competent uh and I think that's what you need from him so uh, I thought that looked better I still think the coverage was a little leaky on them punts but um other than that and I mean someone Jake Camarda they got a little close to him there was a running into the kicker penalty or punter um 
Uh, I thought it, the, you know, they got a little close there. So there's some things to clean up for sure. It's week one. You know, it's it's week one of an 18 week season. Like there is definitely things that they're going to have to clean up. And, you know, hopefully this team week one is not the same team week 18, because hopefully the team that's week one right now is not as good as that team that's going to line up week 18. So that's what we, that's what you got to hope for, right? You hope you're going into the playoffs with a team that is much better than what you saw tonight. And if it is, then, Hey, you know, we'll be, we'll be in good shape. But uh, I think the, the special teams, all three units, they did their job. Uh, they, they did their job. Was it spectacular? No, I, I don't believe it was spectacular, but um I, I think that they did their job and uh, somebody in the chat says white has to be better. I, I think he mean uh, talking about Rashad white. I, I mean, sample what size. Do, what do you do wrong? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, he didn't really do much. He didn't really have many carries to say that he did awful. I'm, he, I'm hey, not hey, sure. he had, I think six carries for positive yardage and he caught a pass out of the backfield. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know what else you wanted to see out of the running back too in his first NFL career game. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I definitely think as the season goes on and uh, the offense gets worked out every week, that's when eventually you're going to start to see his window open up a little bit more. Maybe there is a series of drives later on in the season where he is the hot hand, right? And Brady wants him out there to pass protect. He's doing that well. He's catching the ball well. Obviously, you have to wait and see with all that stuff. But like, I, yeah, he didn't do anything wrong tonight. I didn't think. No, no, I, I, I thought he was fine. I thought all the rookies were were, were fine. Um, Coach Keith played well. I thought Kate Otten played well. Logan Those Hall had guys, a tackle. Yeah, yeah. He also, um, Logan Hall played a good bit. I didn't see a ton of Will Golston out there. Um, maybe they're they're saving him. Uh, but it's nice to have that rotation of defensive linemen now that their rotation is really deep and they're able to give guys rest and give guys breaks on certain drives. So uh, that's a positive as well. And, and they're able to be productive. They're not getting killed when they're out there. Uh, there were there were a few times they got gashed against the run a little bit. I was surprised. I was like, OK, and like Nacho is a competent run defender, but I'm surprised you're not putting Vita Vey out there to sort of slow that down. Cowboys ran a little bit more than I thought they were going to. But I also think they knew the formula wasn't going to be Dak thrown at 60 times. Uh, I, I thought yeah, they were going to to run the ball more as well. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I thought overall, though, all three phases just did what you needed to do to win a football game. And uh, is it good enough to win consistently? Who knows? You know, will it need to be better to, to win more games? Sure. Like, it'll have to be better. But uh, for now, for tonight, you know, it, it did the job and they played a solid football game. And, um, yeah, they're there now. They have now won a second game in Dallas. Uh, they have now won in, in their history. They have now won a second game in Dallas. The last time was in 2001. So now they have finally won in Dallas again. Uh, 21 years later, they win another game in Dallas. So um, shout out to them. Todd Bowles earns his first win as the Buccaneers head coach. So that's also a positive, And uh, hopefully it's something that they can build on. Now, just for the sake of it, as we wrap up the show, looking way, way down the road. I mean, I'm talking 15, 16, 17 weeks down the road at this point. Uh, the NFC kind of had a rough outing today. You know, we talked about the Saints beating the Falcons, but the Packers lost in humiliating fashion. Uh, the Rams lost this week as well, which could go a long way for seeding at the end of the year. 
I mean, a lot of NFC teams today, I know the Vikings played well and obviously things like that, but I don't think anyone is expecting those guys to be competing for the one seed at the end of the year. Obviously, things change, but I'd say as far as the teams that you wanted to lose, aside from New Orleans, I think Bucks fans should be kind of happy with how this weekend ended up shaking out. Yeah, I do think, yeah, besides New Orleans, I think you have to sort of be be happy. Um, obviously, with the Packers game, you know, you sent me a tweet midway through the games and ended up being a thing. Devontae Adams had more receiving yards today, had 141 yards than the other Packers wide receivers combined. They had 95 yards. So Christian Watson had a wide open touchdown, basically dropped in the bucket. He dropped it. Um, and, yeah, so um, obviously – Packers lost 38 to three week one last year and they were the one seed. So you can't put all your stock in the week one, but it was good that the Rams lost and the Packers lost. Those are two of your top. Really? A lot of people think your top two competitors, the 49ers lost to the bears. Uh, you know, those are top competitors uh, in your conference that people think you might be battling with for the one or the two seed or the three seed. So it was good. It was, like you said, besides new Orleans winning, uh, if New Orleans would have lost, that would have made to next week's game even more important because you could have almost buried New Orleans early, um, but it was not to be. They're going to have to take care of business that way. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good weekend. You can't ask for, for much better. Not perfect, but nothing's perfect. NFL football is back. Tampa Bay Buccaneer football is back, and they get the win in Dallas to open up the season. As far as injury updates, of course, we will keep you guys updated throughout the rest of the week. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Any last words, my friend? Uh, yeah, obviously it's um, uh, by the time we're recording this right now, it's the other day. Um, but I do want to say, you know, obviously never forget all the lives lost on, on 9-11. Um, I know we're sort of ended the, the podcast on, on a somber note, but I, I think it's important that, you know, to, to not forget and that, um, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible tragedy. So uh, all the lives lost, uh, rest in peace to everybody, all the first responders, you guys are all heroes. And um, yeah, just thankful that we're able to, to watch football uh, in, in our homes and be able to, to celebrate like this. And uh, a lot of it's because of first responders, like the ones that responded on nine 11. Absolutely. One last shout out to everybody who tuned in tonight. Catching us from the Mr. Box Nation live stream. We truly appreciate anyone who is uh, new checking out the show tonight. Subscribe and leave a thumbs up if you haven't already and you enjoy the content so far. One last shout to Willie Beeman, the moderator holding it down. Keith Johnson, Bucks Time 12, TB12 Goatman, UK Prince, Froggy 75, Keith Johnson, Bucks Nation 31, Emily Compa, our buddy Owen D, and anybody else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate your support. We will talk to you guys later on this week. With our mailbag show with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King, we're going to get his thoughts on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week one victory over Dallas. And of course, we'll look ahead to the division contest between the New Orleans Saints as the Buccaneers hit the road for the second straight week in a row. Check out the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan over on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, 
I will follow you back. That's the show, folks. As I said, we'll keep you posted with any Buccaneer updates throughout the week. Thank you so much for watching. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll catch you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.